Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of The Tight Beam. It is I, Shannon, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Andrea and Fred. Andrea, how are you? I am doing fantastic. On the last episode of The Tight Beam, I was painting my nails. On this episode of The Tight Beam, I'm cleaning my nails, um, just so that they look really pretty. So I'm really happy right now. Yeah. I like these like a million hour episode recordings because I can just do my <laughs> nails like with for, no. <laughs> yeah. And and for those of you who haven't figured it out yet, because we kind of explained it before, we basically record multiple episodes in one session right now because uh, there's a baby coming. And so we have no time to lose. Yeah. No time to lose. So we sit here for hours watching Andrea do her nails and watching dogs walk through the background. We are dedicated folks. <laughs> the only problem with this is that I do need to go to the bathroom, but oh, no. I can't. <laughs> well, now you can let them dry, though. That's what that's what the recording sessions are for. Exactly. I will also say I've been spending all these hours with you guys staring at that Pokemon advent calendar behind you. Oh, yeah. Don't think fine. don't think I didn't notice. I love it. <laughs> Eventually, they will be the baby's little um, Funko Pop collection okay yeah yeah so I, that's i think one of the main reasons why i also got it i was like okay well it's something that i'm interested in it's not beauty products anymore and the baby can uh-huh. just have the funko pops after yeah baby uh-huh. can't baby so, can't okay, have uh, I'm gonna beauty products. here um andrea just these days is oh i'm just gonna buy this for myself i mean for the baby <laughs> <laughs> well like that like that nightlight i sent you guys that I said could be for you or for the baby because technically it was for you. It's probably going to go to the baby, isn't it? Yeah. Because <laughs> I felt that. I was like, I need to get them presents. I don't know what to get them. So I bought the only two items on Andrea's wish list. And they're only they're Christmas items. So I was like, dang, I got to get them something else. I got them this nightlight. And dear listeners, I wrote them a note that says, Give it to the kid. Keep it for yourself. Ask me for another one for the kid. I do not care. Here's a nightlight. <laughs> like, it's a Star Wars nightlight. So it's something that they would enjoy as much as the child would exactly. enjoy. The child. So, the child. I don't know if she has a name, so I just keep referring to her as the child. Which, by Until- the way, my coworker says you should name her Dorian. So, okay, here you go. I don't Don't do it. Dorian always does that. That's what he says every time he hears someone's having a baby. We have um, chosen a name. Um, You don't need to tell me and the listeners if you don't Oh, we're not going to tell. Good. I didn't think so. We we chose a name very, very early on. And we've been trying to come up with another name that can rival that one. And we've been unable to. So that is now going to be her name. Okay. So whenever Andrea and I are discussing our child we speak about her with her name um, just as if she was born and our daughter um, so the problem with that is when other people are here <laughs> we accidentally let it slip and me mostly not her um, and when I pretty say good at her, it I, of I course just let it slip and I try not to because we want to keep this a secret but people haven't caught on to it I have now dropped her name three times, <laughs> and if people are not smart enough to pick up on it, that's not on me. <laughs> I mean, I I don't pry 
Like, I don't, if somebody doesn't want to tell me something, like Andrea knows, because we've had like issues where she's been like, I'm sad. And I'll be like, do you want to talk about it? No. Okay. Then that's like fine. Naomi and Holden yeah, right there. I'm very much, I'm very much the Holden here where I'm like, I'll say to somebody, if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. If you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to talk about it. Um, so I don't push people. I don't like being nosy. Like I'm, I'm politely nosy. Like if you got drama, I want to hear it. But if you don't want to talk about it, I'm not going to press you for it like I don't need to know um Holden has a line in book five where he says like I pretty much cut off a toe like she says like don't you want to know and he goes oh absolutely I want to know I would like cut off a limb to know but like if you don't want to tell me I'm not going to force you and I always think about that when when someone's like but don't you want to know like I pretty much cut off a toe but I'll let you be um Fred I just realized we never asked you how you were how are you doing (laughs) we always go on tangents now it's really funny (laughs) I, I'm doing good. Like we have um a couple weeks to go until mm-hmm. our, our baby's here where you know, Christmas is just around the corner. We put up our tree, it snowed recently and mm-hmm. it is it is I and I got a promotion at work. That that's big. Congratulations. And yeah, things have been looking really up. We're really excited and mm-hmm. um uh, and I love talking with the expanse. Yeah. We got a lot to talk about. We'll see if we last as long as we did in the last episode, because when that episode ended, we really were like, wow, we had a good time, huh? Like, <laughs> it's a long episode. We finally learned how to keep it to an hour, and then we just let loose because of the sexy ships. I'm pretty sure it was because of the introduction like we're doing right now. <laughs> well, don't worry, because we have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the fifth episode, fourth episode. Why did I put five? Fourth episode. Don't ask me why I put five. The fourth episode of, of season four to, or season six. Good God, I've been awake too long. Numbers Brad, take it away. hard, and I take appreciate it away. that. All right, so this episode <laughs> is Redoubt. A redoubt is a fort or fort system usually consisting of an enclosed defensive emplacement outside a larger fort, usually relying on earthworks, although some are constructed of stone or brick. How does this apply to this episode? So I think in in some ways this can be about um, Earth and having its fortifications of the military surrounding it, the the military ships. It could also be Laconia and it having its closed off nature to um, the, the soul system. It could be Marco in hiding all of his... Um, supplies at different depots throughout the the belt. There there could be a number of ways that this could be applied to the episode. I'm looking at all the plot summaries to see if I can like figure it out because <laughs> I'm curious. Like I didn't really think that one through. Last one was last week's was so easy. Like I was so able to pick up on on what was going on, but now I'm like. Now I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm a little less like confident in whatever ideas I'm coming up with. Well, I mean, uh-huh. can we take a look at it as like instead of it you being like oopsie, um, a literal fort system, you can mm-hmm. have people that are enclosed or protected by outsiders. So, like, I'm thinking, like, okay, we have Marco, mm. and he's protected by, well, specifically in this episode, 
even though they don't see eye to eye often, you do see Philip coming to his defense. Um, and he's an outsider to Marco at some point. And then after that, you have the other belters in the Pella um, who are also starting to question what Marco is doing. So it's it's kind of like a defensive system to protect Marco. Um, you can have like a, a protective system and during Drummer's heist, um, when they're trying to take over the... Um, um what was it what were they um i guess the cargo that they they were going through um supplies the ammunition the missiles the food and water and mm -hmm. other supplies and probably air yeah so so you have her and then you have those things that are in the defensive side so that they could protect her they could protect the people that are trying to um mm do their mission so i don't know there's i don't think we have to look at it as just like um a fort system we can talk about how people can act as fort systems too that's also what i was trying yeah, to do though that's the problem <laughs> i was trying to find any way i could connect this word to this episode i could not do it i can't do it guys <laughs> I think we just broke Shannon. I'm broken. I actually did come up with something, actually. Uh, it, there's a scene where we see Philip in the inner hall. Like, the outer hall is the redoubt of the inner hall. Technically. <laughs> oh, my. I think, the, I think Shannon. Holden, okay, is so... the, Holden is the redoubt of Philip. Oh, dear. <laughs> I don't know, man. Who is this written by? Yeah, this is written by Dan Novak, and it was directed yeah. by Anya Adams. <laughs> I think he's trying to move us along. Listen, I didn't see who was supposed to read each section, okay? I didn't see my name there. These aren't the readouts you're looking for. Move <laughs> no. along. Move along. <laughs> he, he's asking me to just pow, pow, pow. Um, just kidding. I would never hit Fred. Um, in yeah, this episode, <laughs> this episode in brief. Avicerala and Monica deal with the aftermath of a bombing on Ceres. Holden's choice to spare the Pella is discovered, leaving him at odds with Amos and Naomi. Drummer carries out her assault on Marco's supply depot, but not everyone makes it back unscathed. Philip gets a new assignment after his objection to the attack on the Rossi and makes a discovery that leaves him questioning everything. On Laconia, Kara makes a new friend whose words inspire her to take a risk. So, so I'm just going to say right off the bat, do it. this is probably the only time in the history of The Expanse and all side stories mm -hmm. that somebody is at odds with Amos and survives. <laughs> Technically, Holden made it through the entirety of season one, though. <laughs> Amos wanted to kill him the whole time. He straight up said to his face, yeah, I want to kick you off a ship. But um, he was in love with Amos's, uh, you know, girl. That's true. The his sister that he would yes. do if she let him. Um, yeah, it was that was that was pretty wild. I I can't wait to talk about that. That was, I put in my notes. I don't like this. <laughs> I did not. I was stressed. Um, so the title sequence, you know, I kind of talked last episode about stuff I noticed. The only real change I noticed was that once again, if you watch the ring station, 
in the ring portion of the opening credits, whatever they're doing on the ring station continues to, to go and there's stuff. There's like something wrapping around the ring station. So we don't know what that is yet. This episode still doesn't answer that question. Um, it but like it might have presents Christmas time. It's like rings, like oh. rings around like the, the diameter of both of them. Yeah. So like a ribbon. Maybe. Oh Merry like, Christmas. The um, ring station has been the wrapped ho- it's in the a holy hand present. grenade. It's the holy hand grenade now. <laughs> um, so we we did kind of get Marco got some sort of a message like, hey, the delivery is on its way to Medina. So maybe it has something to do with Apple. We don't know. They still haven't really touched on what's going on beyond the ring aside of outside of what happens on Laconia. So. Yeah, so hopefully the next couple episodes, those title sequences change. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's jump into that episode breakdown. We're going to start with Series Station, where um, I'm going to butcher her name. I mean, their name. Sandrani addressed ah, the belters of Series, still rallying them behind the Free Navy and Marco. They stress that no one really knows what caused the explosions, but that they shouldn't trust the inners and their help. Avasarala meets with the heads of the UNN and MCRN fleets, where they discuss how even though they have evidence that Marco was involved in the bombing, they cannot pit it on him with tensions as they are. Angry with the Martian losses, uh, Carino says that MCRN leaderships want the fleet to attack Medina. When Avasarala disagrees, MCRN command orders the MCRN ships to go to uh, to go to it alone. Monica continues her project, now telling the stories of the UNN soldiers who were killed. Avasarala allows it, despite pro- protests from her aide. Later, they review her footage of her interview with the Belter man and his cat, mixed with the aftermath of the bombing. Vasarala argues it humanizes Belters more than Earthers, but Monica argues that if she wants Earthers to be humanized, they need to see Belters as humans too. Um, And I love that because that is the, what Micho was trying to argue in previous episodes, that you need to show that we're all human so that we can get that emotional response. So that actually, speaking specifically to that point, in the book, um, I mentioned that this was Holden's storyline, the book, that Holden takes on this video project with Monica's help um, to kind of humanize the Belters after his dad makes an off-color remark to Naomi. Um, He's kind of inspired to, like, remind Earthers that you know, belters aren't the enemy. So the fact that, you know, I remember I had reservations about like it becoming a earther, like earther centric issue. Right. Like I remember saying that. So I'm really glad that Monica decided to focus this on this belters perspective. Cause he's just an everyday belter. He doesn't side with either side. Mm-hmm. You know, he just wants to live his life and he doesn't want hate to win because hate is what causes this, these conflicts so it's really leaning into the like what holden was trying to do and so i'm really glad that monica you know 
stayed Monica because Monica wouldn't just want to talk about Earth. Monica would would, would want to talk about all of it. Yeah. So I'm really glad that she turned around and was, you know, telling the stories of the the Earthers that died, and then her tying it into, you know, this Belter saying like, you know, I just want to live my life, and telling Asrala like. You know, I what was I let me pull up the exact line because it was so like hard hitting when she said it. So she said, um, this uh Abastrala said this makes us look weak. And Monica said, This makes us all look weak. That's why it works. If you want the enemy to see you as human, then you have to see them as human. I'm not sure Belters will ever do that. And then Monica said, I'm not sure I'm talking about them. Like that was such a great way to end that. With like this, she's not talking about making belts. Like she's revealing that she's been using the project to humanize everyone. Yeah. Not just Earthers. Like Avisarala asked her to do Earthers, but Monica saw this as an opportunity to remind everybody that we are all humans and we are all just people trying to live in this universe together. And I just really love that she said that to Avisarala's face. Yeah, because nobody else would. And and I think that although Vassarella has the good intentions, mm. she she will ultimately always want to defend the Earthers. Yep. And she will not really always look at the flaws of the Earthers. Um, and it was a very important moment for Monica to say that to her. Um, and it, it again, it helps Vassarella grow. Throughout this whole entire show, she has been growing. She has been trying to open herself up to different viewpoints. And we have seen her come to be a strong leader because of that. Anything, Freddie? <laughs> we both well, looked at Fred. <laughs> both want to look at me, and I think you guys have said it so well. And if we go back to season one and what Avisarella herself, and I think I, I mentioned this before, has done to the Belters and to the Belper, Belter people, forgetting that Belters are, and Martians as well, are from Earth. Everyone is human. So the atrocities that she and Martians are doing against the belt are against humanity. And mm -hmm. she's realizing and humanizing who the Belters are and what they're standing for. And she's finally, in this season, coming to terms with that she was wrong. Mm -hmm. Earth was wrong. Yes, she's defending Earth, but the way that she was doing it before was the wrong method, and that's why they're in this situation. Yeah. If they were able, in season one, to do it the right way, this and Marco would never have a soapbox to stand on. Yeah, and I found it very interesting that in the last episode, when Monica was interviewing that man with the cat, um, as he was talking, you could just listen to his his belter, the like the Lang Belta. Um, and then it's not until this episode that you realize what he's actually saying, um, which is really interesting. I was like, okay, where's the translator at the bottom so I can understand <laughs> most of what he's trying to say? Um, but I thought it was like a really interesting little tidbit right there. Yeah. All I right. Like cat's name, Lucky uh, Lucky Earther. Yeah. <laughs> The, the only other thing I, I wanted to remark on on this was um, the issue of nobody, not nobody knows who to blame, but 
uh, Sandrani is telling everyone they don't, well, we don't know who it was. So like it, you know, it could be anybody. Meanwhile, like you go, cause, cause like I said, I, I had these suspicions. Sandrani says they work for the belt, but like you really question, like, is it the belt or the free Navy? Because here you have like, you know, the UNN has very strong evidence that it was Marco who planted the bombs yeah. that ended up, you know, damaging the water supply. Surprise, surprise. Once again, starting another humanitarian crisis. Um, but they can't say that because the problem is, is that they have such a poor reputation right now that if they were to say Marco did this, we have evidence Sandrani could turn around and be like, well, how do we know you didn't plant that evidence? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It is such a sticky spot for them to be in because they know it it was them. And I don't know if we'll, we'll ever find out, you know, well, it's not that I don't know. At this point, we don't know if we're ever going to find out who did it. And so you have this question of like, will, you know, we ever be able to actually pin this on Marco? Just like, just like the UNN is saying, like, can we ever do this? Because we're never going to look good enough to say like it was belter mining charges or it could have just been a rogue belter. Like there's so many reasons why they can't come out and say we strongly suspect it's Marco. And the biggest one is that a lot of series belters, even though he left them to die, are still going to stand with Marco and Sandrani because why would we trust these inners? And they're like, belters, right? Yeah. So it's 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 a really sticky situation for everybody. Because Sandrani is clearly trying to drum up this idea of doubt. And they have evidence, but how good is that evidence going to be if people don't believe it? I mean, we've been living in interesting times where this kind of thing has been put to practice. Yeah. So it's it's easy to see what the issue is here when, you know, one party, even though they are they have strong evidence, can't share that evidence because they are not trusted by the populace that needs to hear that evidence. Yeah. And how much more damage are you going to do by trying to do good and tell the truth? Yeah. So. All right. We ready to, to jump into the next section. Any yeah, last well. words on the series? events it's nice to see the first pet in the expanse yeah <laughs> but well, we, we saw the laconia bird well that's laconian okay <laughs> okay <laughs> all right so we're heading over to drummer's faction uh drummer leads an assault on one of marco supply depots with michio as lookout joseph is angry that marco claims to fight for the belt but hides supplies for the free navy while belters are starving they notice that the de depot is pressurized. When they open one of the crates, free Navy agents burst out of the door and shoot at them. They manage to defeat them, but worry that if people are on board, that someone may be on their way for a pickup. They're surprised by another assailant, and in that fight, Joseph's arm is pinned under a crate. Micho is forced to amputate his arm to save him. And mind you, the way that she she just goes to town on that, it just what a uh, badass. She uh, she looks hungry. <laughs> Walker, who has been dubious on her and her stability, praises her for her quick thinking. Later, Micho cares for Joseph, who is hooked up to a regrowth pod, in her anger over the assault. Uh, uh, 
or Jessup's injury or even the amount of supplies and Joseph's earlier criticism of Marco. She demands an open channel and puts out a message for Marco and the Free Navy while blowing the tethers on the depot. Yeah, this was a very powerful moment for Drummer um, because she flat out calls him that coward that he is and calls Um, him out for leaving the, the belters. I saw 127 hours when I was in college and I really didn't want to have to see it again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cutting that arm. <laughs> God, I covered my eyes the whole time. Aw. I don't it was like uh, Yeah, it was intense. Like, it, it was hard to watch. And also, it's like, we've seen this happen before. So, like, this is, I really like how they used um, a threat that we've seen before as a way to seriously injure a character that you know, got into a sticky situation, like Holden once had his leg crushed by a similarly magnetic crate. Mm -hmm. Um, But he, you know, because no one removed the crate or anything. And also, I don't think they never confirmed if he like broke any skin or whatever. But um, because he was pinned, he no one moved the crate. So he didn't have to worry about bleeding out or anything like that. It was more the issue of his bones being broken and bleeding into his bloodstream. But here we have a situation where his arm is literally crushed by this thing and he's bleeding out. And if they pull the crate out off him, he will bleed to death. And Michio, the, the medic on the team um, jumps into action. I love that. I love you and I'm sorry. And he's like, why are you sorry? And she cuts his arm off. But I think um, another moment that I really liked was, you know, Walker has been like insulting her this entire time. Or at least like making jokes about how divisive Michio is. Mm-hmm. But he immediately just like tells her like, you know, not compliments her on like her quick thinking, but he like commends her for it. He like he notes how like she jumped into action when she needed to, and he's like right behind her, almost like supporting her. So a couple things is like one first, it looked like Michio was cutting off his arm with a spoon. Yeah, like, that did like... not look like it was going to be painless. It wasn't no. just a one and done, you know, sword chop or anything. It was going to be excruciating. Mm-hmm. So. I could only imagine what Joseph was going through. Um, Second, I thought one of the most touching moments of the entire episode was when she laid with him um, during the recovery. I thought that was really, really moving. And just, yeah, it was it was a tough, tough scene. Um, And it goes to show that Micho is not weak. She may not be able to push a button to to fire the missiles to kill people, Mm -hmm. but she will endure and inflict pain to save his life yeah yeah and despite all of their conflicts you know when he is in pain when he's suffering she's there for him because she loves him and i just um i really i mean first i i was just really impressed with joseph in this episode to begin with because you know he went from like being angry about like the earther situation in the last episode to being angry that Marco's claim Marco claims to care for the belt. And here he is hiding supplies while Ceres and other belts belter uh, stations are like starving. Yeah. And so he's angry about that. And I just, I, and it makes me question. And I, I kind of put this in, in the summary here, 
you know, because Drummer goes from watching Micho and Joseph together in bed to storming to the ops, storming to ops deck and saying, give me an open channel. Very Holden of her, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, give me an open channel. And she accuses him, as we later find out, of stealing from the belt for himself, kind of echoing Joseph's words. So it almost feels like she blames Marco for what happened to Joseph. And because she's so angry on Joseph's behalf and, and that that happened to him, that she's going to point out exactly what Joseph said. Like, you stole from the belt. You said you cared. And now look, like, look what you've done. Like, people are starving and you've run from the fight. Like, I, I feel like Joseph's pain, like that, like the pain and the fear and the trauma they all just went through drove her to be like, you know what? You know, F hiding. I'm I'm done hiding. I am gonna challenge this man to his face. Yeah. And I was like, first again, I was first. I was like, very holding of you. Uh, I again, I love all these parallels between you two because you hate him so much. But also, that's badass drummer. That was so sick. Like, I just I I love I loved that. I thought that was great. And I love how everyone was like, should we be doing this? And Walker's just like. So much for anonymity. Yeah. Like, Walk- Walker's so funny. I, I like I know, Walker. I know he's like another um, Ashford prototype kind of guy, but God, his asides are funny. Like, his one-liners are great. Yeah, I think that you nailed it when you said that he reminds you of, like, Ashford, because he gives me those vibes. And that first, I was like, is he going to just shoot Drummer in the back? Like, I don't trust this man. <laughs> But he he's he's a funny addition to to that crew. Yeah, and he ends up saving them. Yeah, like you almost question like what side is he on? But then when the t- when the you know moment comes, he actually is there to make sure that they're they make it. Like he, it doesn't seem like he's gonna turn on them. Yeah, when we first meet Walker, um, drummer turns to Joseph and said, "If he comes past me, kill him." Mm. So you have that all um, automatic feeling of he is going to betray them at some point. And we were happily delighted to see mm-hmm. that he doesn't. And his one-liners, I agree, are, are top-notch. <laughs> That's so much for anonymity made me laugh so hard. <laughs> He's just like, well, all right, here we go. <laughs> awesome. So I think we're up to the Pella, unless there's anything else on the drummer piece. No, I think we're we're good. All right. So the Pella is left scarred by the fight with the Rocinante. Marco dispenses punishments for the ships that pulled away in battle and orders Rosenfield to show no mercy. Again, why do you want to kill everybody that's trying to be on your side, my dude? Like that's not the way to win things. Mm. Philip, who has been assigned to repair duty, is ready to work for his new boss. But Rosenfield wants him to apologize to Marco and hopes that it will keep Marco's mood stable. Even while admitting to Marco, uh, sorry, admitting that Marco was hard on him. Philip takes quickly to his new job and bonds with the lead technician who is worried about his brother on series. While walking between the halls, they find the disarmed nuke and assume it malfunctioned. Rosenfield tells Marco she spared the one captain in an effort to make him look better for the crew. 
saying that his anger and losing to the Rossinante makes him look scared and weak. She believes more people should be honest with him. Marco makes it clear he is angry about the loss and humiliations he feels Naomi dealt to him. Uh, not about what her leaving did to Philip, as he claimed before. Rosenfield tells him the reward she wants for her service is to lead Medina. Later, Philip learns that someone on the Rossi disabled the nuke before detonation, and he realizes Naomi or Holden saved him, even as the lead tech dismisses it as an error. As they eat, Drummer's message plays out on the ship. She accuses Marco of stealing from the belt to support the Free Navy, calling him a coward as she says she's taking back what he stole. Philip sees everyone questioning and gives a, a rousing speech about sticking to the mission, that anyone who is in Free Navy is still their enemy. But when he leaves the room, he no longer seems convinced that that's true. This is some juicy stuff. Mm -hmm. There is a lot going on in this one, um, which is very interesting. Um, it, I find it very interesting that Rosenfield is able to get with like get away with so much when it comes to what she says to Marco. Um, but it's really interesting because she she has that power of authority um, and she is highly respected and she knows to also play the like play with Philip so that Marco is also the better captain that he can be. See, some of the things that she says that, okay, to be honest, it's not about the way that she says it. It's that she only says it to Marco. No one mm -hmm. else hears. It's not like she's stepping up on a soapbox and, and, and dressing him down or anything like that. Mm -hmm. She is playing to Marco's strengths and not just to Marco, but the character of Marco. Yeah. Um, so what he is trying to project across the belt and against the the system itself, uh, she's playing to that. And Marco respects what she has to say, even though um, she is defiant against what um, she's been told. Mm -hmm. So in that case where she wanted, where he wanted the captain to be spaced and she completely defied him and Marco called her out as insubordination, mm -hmm. but yet didn't punish her for it. Oh, I think because he knows she's right. Yeah, she is right. She's absolutely right. Like the moment she says you're making yourself look weak, like the, the switch flips because he does. Yeah. He's not weak. Marco is not weak. So, you know, he's not weak. He's not vindictive. He's not all these things. He's Marco and Aros. So, like, the second she points out how he's coming off to the crew, that he's like, oh, yeah, I got to stop that. Because what I thought was really interesting, you know, at the end of season five, he went on and on about, like, how Naomi betrayed Philip. On and on and on. Naomi betrayed you, Philip. He left, she left you, Philip. Look what she did to you, Philip. And now we're here and Roosevelt's talking to him about this whole thing and how, how he's looking to the crew because of his behavior and how his obsession with like revenge instead of the mission. And I, I really, the, the moment when he said after what Philip's mother did to me, to our family, they deserve to die. Mm -hmm. Not Philip. 
not the free Navy to me. So now it's clear. It was never about the Rocinante. It was never about the symbol. Like, no. In, in the last episode, we talked about how we were starting to see a shift in the language. And this is when he makes it clear. He's obsessed with getting revenge on Naomi and James Holden because they took from him. They humiliated him. They're making him look weak. It's not his own fault. Oh, it's not my behavior. It's not me. It's them. It's their fault. They're making me look bad. So, like, Rosenfeld sees how petty this is. And she's reminding him, like, you can't focus on this. Like, when he says that to her, she says, if we do what we're supposed to do, they will be as powerless as the dead. So she reminds him, we have a mission. So, like, she sees through all this petty nonsense, like Philip was starting to do. But unlike Philip, because, you know, she's not his son, she can say these things to him without fear of, like, getting screamed at. And also, like like Fred said, she says it to him in confidence. But the biggest thing is, like, he already feels betrayed by Naomi. Yep. So, of course, if Philip starts to point out that he's being irrational, he's going to treat Philip like he's betraying him. Rosenfeld is not his son. Rosenfeld is not his, his, the mother of his son. So he already has that disconnect where he's not going to treat her the way he treats them. And that's why she evades punishment for saying these things because she says it in a way that he likes, but also she says it in a way that, that reminds him that she is not those people. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, that man, that, that line made me so mad when he said that because all at the, after Naomi jumped and went back to the Rossi, it was all about Philip. Now, all of a sudden, it's she humiliated me, and that's why she needs to die. He's such a baby. Such a baby. Oh, right. Not even that they have to die. They deserve to die. Like, really, dude? Really, dude? Really? He deserves to die. <laughs> I know he's upset about sin, but, like, it seems like he's focusing on the humiliation more than the loss. Well, I mean, he's he's always been about winning the people, right? And mm-hmm. he's taking loss after loss. Like, no wonder he's angry. Yeah. Um. So, interestingly enough, like Philip, I, I really like that he's the one that finds the um the uh, nuke mm-hmm. that Holden was able to disable, and he's he. I think that he's starting to put the pieces together. If it was his mom that's like hitting at his heart, um, if it was Holden, it's still something that would really affect him because his dad is actively trying to kill this man mm-hmm. who just saved his life. Um, so it's really interesting because we see that tug of war within himself because afterwards when they're in the hall and they're eating and he has, he's hearing people doubt his father, he has to step up for him Mm -hmm. because again, that's the only person that will be there for him. Um, So like we said during the summary, when he leaves the room, he no longer sees, seems convinced that his father has the best intentions and he should be following his father um, because Holden showed him that there is some form of mercy. Yeah, it's like, you know, he's here saying like there are because they're not us, they're our enemy. But 
an enemy doesn't spare your life. Like an enemy doesn't have the golden opportunity to end the war and choose to save you. And so, yeah, if it's Naomi, that's one thing. If it's Naomi saving his life, like that's his mother. But if it was Holden, that's an entirely different ball game. Yeah. Holden doesn't know him. Holden, you know, was Holden has only been hurt by these people. They have never done anything good for Holden or to him. They tried to kill him. They tried to kill his family. They tried to kill his the love of his life. They yeah. tried to destroy his ship. Like they they killed his mentor. Like there is nothing good that they have done for him. But when the moment came, Holden chose to spare Philip's life. Now Philip doesn't know it was Holden, but if it was, how can Holden be his enemy if Holden doesn't want to kill him? Exactly. So it, it's shaken his resolve in the idea that they must be his enemy. Because, you know, why? It, it, clearly they aren't the people Marco is saying that they are. If they're willing to to give up an opportunity to end the war to save his life. And, you know, the fact that everyone's just like, oh, it must have been a malfunction. Because nobody can believe that someone on that ship would save them. But Philip knows. Because Philip remembers what Naomi told him. Remembers everything that he heard from Naomi. So, of course, he's going to realize that one of them spared his life. And I think I think he the way he reacted, I don't think he thinks it was Naomi. But that's just me Um, because I feel like it probably would have been a different response. But at the same time, I think he's starting to see what Naomi said to him. That Naomi will use him to kill, or that Naomi, Marco will use Whoa. him to kill. <laughs> yeah, Naomi will use Philip to kill. Naomi will use, uh, I keep saying it now, you guys got stuck in my head. <laughs> Marco will use Philip to kill, and he will not care how that affects Philip. Yeah. He will not care. Like, they are just killing people willy-nilly, and now he's starting to see they attacked a ship, and, and Philip accused him of just wanting to go after them for vengeance. And now he's finding out the people that they didn't kill saved him. Mm-hmm. He's starting to realize Naomi was right about Marco. And so regardless of who saved him, and I, I I don't know, based on his response, I think he thinks it's Holden. But regardless of who he thinks it was, what this whole event has proven to him that Naomi was right about his father. And he's been seeing that all season, but something about this changes things. So... He, he, I don't think he believes that uh, everyone's the enemy anymore. I don't think he believes they're doing the right thing anymore. Well, uh, maybe he's starting to realize that his dad is more of an enemy than everybody else around him. Uh, I think he's starting to realize his dad does not care about yeah. people. I, I think you guys have just really nailed the the hammer on the head here. That, okay, Philip is, is coming into his own. He's no longer in the narrow view of what is marco and his world philip mm-hmm. is now seeing what that is impacting with everyone else and how much hurt he is suffering through the mass genocide that he himself has created mm-hmm. uh, but that being said i i do appreciate that philip is starting to stand up for himself and that speech that he gives uh, in the the galley mm-hmm. i I, I just wish this was outside of Marco's realm. You know, you also made me realize, um, you know, Philip was concerned about Ceres. And now he's learned for sure that his dad, like, 
left series without supplies and he's been hoarding supplies. Cause I get the feeling Philip doesn't know everything that Marco is up to. Um, Cause Marco has left him out of conversations before he's yeah. ended conversations right next mm-hmm. to Philip about specifically about series and supplies, like specifically about leaving supplies for series. Philip did not agree with rationing series. So now he's finding out that his dad hid supplies out in the belt. And so He's here saying drummer's the enemy. But is the enemy the one who brings food and supplies to people who need it? I think he's starting to realize that he's on the wrong side and that his father absolutely doesn't care. And that they they absolutely are hurting the people they claim to be fighting for. And I think that that's the problem here for him. And his call to action has always been, let's help the belters. Mm -hmm. Helping the belters is not letting them out to dry and starving them out from their home what they can what he called the jewel of the belters like that's not helping anybody um so i think that he's starting to find out how egocentric his father is and that he does not have the whole entire belters um and good intentions at heart All right, anything else? We need therapy sessions after the Pella every single episode. All right, so let's jump to the Rocinante. So before I talk about what happened on this episode on the Rocinante, Andrea had something she really wanted to talk about in the last episode, and we kind of were so excited about the sexy ships that we forgot. So uh, I wanted to give Andrea an opportunity to talk about what she really wanted to talk about. So Andrea, go ahead, take it away. I was pretty pissed off because you know what? We could have been using this name from like the last episode and we have not. Um, One of my favorite moments from the last episode that we did not talk about because the episode was so already full with so many things was when Bobby calls um, Marco and arrows prick and arrows. Um, And I, I just, it was this like, you could honestly miss it if you don't listen to it. But I thought it was like the funniest thing. Fred actually had to rewind it to actually hear it for himself. But now I'm going to be calling Marco prick and arrows um, and nobody can stop me because I love go, that girl. moment. You go, girl. All right. So let's, uh, oh man, we're going to need therapy after this one too. No, let's okay. talk about the Rasinante. <laughs> As the Rossi continues on the series, Naomi tells a concerned-looking Holden that she plans to send reports on the Pella to the fleet and their allies so that someone will find it. Bobby is angry that they failed to destroy the Pella. She and Amos bond over Alex's music as they do their separate tasks. Clarissa calls Amos and confides in him that she's discovered that Holden disabled the torpedo. He says that he'll deal with it and confronts Holden while they're outside repairing the Rossi. He's beginning to lose faith in Holden's decision-making and wonders if he even wants to be on the Rocinante if Holden isn't trying to win the war. While Naomi works through the ring data, Holden goes to her and tells her that he disabled the torpedo to spare Philip. Naomi feels that Holden sparing Philip for her makes her responsible for whatever he and Marco do next. But Holden tells her he doesn't have it in him to kill her son, even if they're at war, for fear of what would happen between them if he becomes her son's murderer. Naomi tells him that she couldn't save Philip when she tried and uh, and tells him to respect that she has chosen them. Later, seeing how Holden's choice affects him, 
Clarissa tells him that she's the one who told Amos and about how what he did on the behemoth when facing down Ashford made her realize that she didn't want to kill him. She says that he shouldn't feel bad for not killing someone. He thanks her and they eat and drink in companionable silence, which is a, an expanse meme. So I thought it was really cute that we finally got to see one. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> Man, this, uh, this Rossi stuff was real upsetting. Yeah. It's funny because it's kind of like a game of Clue <laughs> throughout the whole entire thing. It's who disabled who. Yeah. Um, and and I find it very interesting that, like, he he does unburden himself really quickly. Um, and I love the fact that Clarissa finds out and she's like, I ain't going to tell your secrets, but I know. <laughs> she's like, this is way above my pay grade. Yep. <laughs> like, uh. And I also love that she says to Amos, like, I don't want to judge. Like, the first thing, like, she doesn't want to pass any judgment on Holden because, like, she's made some pretty choice choices, too. And Holden chose to save someone. So she she doesn't want to, like, judge him for whatever because she doesn't know why he did it. But Amos, like, doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. I think Naomi <laughs> would have been fine with him killing Philip. Let me be really clear. It, she has already come to terms with the fact that he is going to die through this conflict um, through the actions he's already done. Holden just doesn't want to be responsible for it, and I completely understand the position he's in, uh, but Naomi would not hold that against him. She might later, but in the moment, I think she's okay with it. Um, Holden just can't um, have that on his conscience. Well, I don't think she's I don't think Naomi told him, though. I think, like, I think he was working under the assumption that Naomi wouldn't want him to kill her son. And Sure, yes, of course. And I don't think Naomi wants to admit that, that yeah. she's come to terms with it. Like, nobody, no mom could ever say, please kill my son. Like, yeah. maybe, you know, the couple handful of really bad serial killers that are out there, even their their moms would see the good in them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's tough, tough place to be in. I mean, yeah. this whole fight that they have um, is really emotionally. It's about a lot of things like it's. It, it's kind of a culmination of all the things that have happened so far this season. And honestly, I I think it's one of the I think it's one of the best acted scenes in the season like Steven and Dom really brought it all to the table here mm-hmm. um Steven's delivery of um it's not about Philip or what he might or might not do it's about us I can't be the one who kills your son yeah like the way he says it like he if if he stops he can't get it out is so like it's I had to pause it because I was like damn like the the way Steven delivered that line was just incredible. And it was a very powerful moment because yeah. there is truth in what he says. And we can say all we want about this is in Holden's character to do what like to save people and not kill them, but he actually has such a legitimate excuse not to do it. I mean, I imagine the repercussions if he had just pulled the trigger and not really thought about disabling that nuke. I mean, he was scared. Like, you know, he just got Naomi back, you know. And Naomi's left before. What happens if, like, he kills her son and, like, maybe in the uh, moment it was the right decision? But what happens down the line? I think that's what he 
I don't part of think what it, he was it was out of. of fear. I don't think it's fear. I think it's just purely guilt. He doesn't want to have well, that. Well, it's fear of guilt. Like, he's sure. just, he's, he's definitely guilt, scared. Yes. Yeah. But he's definitely fear scared of, of something. Of killing someone. Because he, he says to her, like, if, like I, I can't be the person who killed your son. Like, that's what he says to her. That's fear. Yeah. He's scared he, of being the, what happens if I'm the one who has to pull the trigger on your child. Yeah. Like, because it's not their child, it's hers. So it, it's, he's like, because here's the thing. There's definitely something to be afraid of if you are the new boyfriend who Sorry, killed. Yes, I see what yeah, you mean. yeah. Sorry, I, I was taking it as he was afraid to kill someone. Oh, but no. He's not afraid to kill the Pella. He's afraid of the long-term consequences of killing his girlfriend's son. Yeah, yeah. Someone that she's she has risked everything for in the past. Yeah. Like, she risked her relationship with these men because of something she wanted to do for her son. And so Holden sees all that. And he sees how much she loves her son. And I mean, that's why before they even, before he even mentions why he did what he did, he also, he has another really, they have a really great, you know, conflict where, you know, she gets angry with him. Uh, I almost ruined the raid on the Azure Dragon and you only worried about my emotional state. And now we let the flagship of the free Navy escape because of me. Stop treating me like I'm broken. And he says, stop pretending like what you're feeling doesn't matter. I love and that. And that was, oh, so good. Because that's, they've both done it. Like, it, it kind of felt like a callback to the scene where um, Naomi apologizes to him for lying to him. And he said, you know, what I'm feeling doesn't, how I feel doesn't matter. And she's like, don't say that. That's not true. What you're feeling matters. And so it kind of feels like a, it coming full circle. Now Naomi is coming from a place of hurt. And Holden saying, like, stop pretending like... Because she's like, she's getting mad at him for caring about her feelings. And he, that's all he can do. Sounds like conversations Fred and I have. <laughs> <laughs> like, he... And he's been watching her struggle. Like, the, the when he said... Um, I see how much it hurts you every time we kill another Belter ship. You're trying to carry this all by yourself and you can't. Mm -hmm. I immediately thought of that scene in the first episode when she tells him she doesn't know how much longer she can keep killing Belters. And the shot lingers on Holden. And you see him really, like, shouldering the weight of her pain. Like, he he sees it. He's not just saying that. He He can see it. That's why he tried to distract her that's why he checks on her yeah he's genuine he can tell because he's been traumatized recently too he can see that it's it's hurting her and he cares and he doesn't want her to do it all by herself because she has him and i think it hurts him that she you know because he's he's that kind of guy i don't think he is angry or upset with her for not sharing her feelings with him but i think he's hurt that like she finally opened up to him and now she's closing herself off again and I, you know, and he, he wants her to care about herself because she should, because he loves her and he doesn't like that. She's discounting like her trauma. Like she, she joked about it and he had to remind her, like, you wouldn't be embarrassed for me. Like he's trying to remind her that he's in her corner and you know, they're, they're both coming. They're both right. Neither of them are wrong. And that's what I love about holding Naomi's fights. Every fight they have, they're both right. And they're both wrong. Yeah. And this is just another one, but I just, there's, this one is so good. 
And especially the bit at the end where she, you know, she says to him, I could have stayed on the Pella, martyred myself in the name of motherhood, but I chose not to. I know I tried. Please don't take that from me. It's all I have left. Like begging him, like I chose you. Do not take that away from me mm-hmm. by say by by deciding that what I like me choosing to leave my son doesn't matter. Like and and you see Holden process that and he's like she's right. Like I like not in a in a mean way, but like he did. He kind of you know disregarded how she might feel about the fact that you know she are she's not given up on her son, but she did all she could. Yeah. And there's nothing they can do from the Rossi that can save Philip if he continues down this road. And she doesn't know that he's feeling guilt. She doesn't know that he's his them saving her has changed everything for him. She can't know. Mm-hmm. It's just this was just oh man, I just this was a really beautifully done scene. I just really and I loved when he came in and he just looked at her and he said, Philip looks just like you. Yeah. <laughs> that was so Man, that was tough because that's when you know he did see Naomi when he saw Philip. But here's here's a happy thing about this scene. I really loved the beginning when the Rossi went under thrust. And not only did Naomi catch her cup, but you see the whole shot orient itself with gravity. Bro, that was so cool. I don't know if you guys saw that, but I loved it. Yeah. Because I noticed the cup the first time. And when I watched it again, I saw the whole thing orients itself with gravity was so cool. Um, man, there's just a lot. I also just really loved uh, Clarissa and and Holden talking and her telling him not to feel bad for not killing someone because you can't take it back. Yeah. Like, kind of telling him, like, even if he was wrong to do it, his reasoning was from, like, who knows what would have happened if he did it because he can't take it back. And her telling him, like, by the way, your whole, like, please don't kill each other's speech inspired me to save people. Like, Telling him that he can affect change. Because I don't think Holden believes that. Um, especially when uh, that boy Amos. That boy Amos is real mad. Because <laughs> um, I. And I, I. This is my. I'll stop talking for a minute. I just. I really loved this. The interactions with all the Rossi crew this episode. Um, and everybody being mad at Holden. Uh, but there's this moment. The moment Holden decides that he has to tell Naomi is when Amos says, you don't have a reason. He does have a reason, but Holden's not going to tell Amos that because he can't tell Amos before he tells Naomi. Yeah, and I think this really goes back to the point that we made last episode was that Holden never pulled the trigger and he should have let that missile go and blamed it or attributed it to Bobby <laughs> pulling the trigger. Yes, he had the ability to stop it, and he did, but the point of the matter was he would not have been responsible for it, even though in some way he is the captain of the ship and ultimately responsible, but he didn't pull the trigger. Eh, Eh, Semantics, but yes. Yeah, it's semantics, but yeah. I I mean, the other thing was, uh, you know, he, he would have the... Technically, he was in charge of firing the missile, too. Uh, Bobby just took it because she was tired she of listening to them talk. Yeah. yeah. The, the second part to this whole thing was that. Um, oh, and I'm losing my point here. Uh, shoot. Um, Come on, that, Fred. <laughs> um, 
Okay, Bobby fired the missile. Yes. Uh, oh, it's gone. You'll you'll find it. I'll talk about your boy Amos for a minute and see if you figure it out. Yes. So this is my second point. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is it, it's not about the missile. It, it's about owning up to detonating the missile or disarming the missile. Um, Holden, as we know it from season one and and to now, would have been very very forward about sharing and being very open about the truth. I'm surprised he sat on it with his family, his crew, for so long. And it just seemed a little out of place, in my opinion. I guess he was ashamed, maybe. At least that's what I got, that he allowed Marco to live, mm. and he was kind of digesting how he was going to um, to share this. Mm-hmm. I mean, Amos straight said to him, like, you need to focus on the war. It's all about killing Marco. Like that's that's what he said to him in the like in the very first episode, and he keeps you know get being confused when anyone's focus is not killing someone. Yeah, and I think Holden sees that, and I think he knows what will happen because Bobby also is obsessed with destroying the Pella. So I feel like he knows if he made it obvious what he did that there's a good chance people would think he was crazy. I mean, the first thing he says to Naomi is like, I'm not losing my mind. And so I feel like people would assume, like, I think he was afraid of like, what would happen if, you know, he said I did it before he had like, what he, you know, wanted to say or what his full reasoning was. Cause I don't think he had like a clear reason when he did it. He just did it. Um, I think it was a culmination of things, but obviously you can't, Amos needs like a frame by frame, you know, cause Amos doesn't, not that Amos doesn't have emotions, but he doesn't think emotionally. I yeah. talked before about how Amos doesn't really take things personally. Um, he's just not that kind of person. He's just rational. Yeah. He's just, all he sees is logic. And he says to Holden too, like, um, so see, you're going to need to explain that to me because if we're not trying to win this fight, I don't know what I'm doing out here. And um, if we had a chance or we had a chance to end Marco and you pulled the punch. Now I keep trying to keep trying, but I can't see how that's the right thing because he doesn't, he didn't see what they saw. Number one, he didn't see um, Philip sitting there. He doesn't know what Holden and Naomi saw and he doesn't have that tension between the, the four of them here. The issue of like, what happens if I kill Naomi's son he doesn't have that so Amos is not the one who who needs to hear Holden's reason Naomi is the only one who needs to hear the reason and he's willing to have Amos angry with him like he's willing to do it but I think that the whole problem of like finding out that somebody knows like caused him to have to tell Naomi now he I mean maybe he wasn't ever going to tell them I I don't remember I think in the books, it was the same thing. He didn't tell anybody. Amos wasn't as angry with him in the book, though. Amos was just like, hey, man, if you need me to lock you out of fire control, I will. And Helen's like, what do you mean? (laughs) Um, What are you talking about? But here, I think tensions are so high right now with all of them. Because they have a lot of loss and trauma between them that didn't exist in the book. And, like, Amos wants, you know... Marco to go down because Marco took down one of theirs. Um, Naomi, 
you know, is, is angry at the loss of Alex and, you know, it's taking her a long time to realize it's not her fault. It's Marco's. And you have people like tensions are just high on the Rossi. Everyone is stressed out. Everyone's exhausted. And so Holden does this thing out of the goodness of his heart, not understanding that his attentions can't well, save the consequences. Yeah, yeah. But the, the idea is, is like, you know, Holden always does things with good intentions, but sometimes the intentions have bad consequences and that's happened before in the past. And I think this is one of those moments where he does something for Naomi, not thinking about it and doesn't realize that maybe it was the wrong call, but he can't bring himself to see it as the wrong call. He just can't do it. And he owns that. He does own that. He owns it. Just to go back to your original point or not your original point, but one of the tie-ins that you you mentioned there was Mm. that for the book readers and the difference between the show is overall i i think in the books the the crew is so tight-knit and and so well connected it's almost unrealistic and i think the show the tv show has done a much better job of showing a true dynamic of what the crew um, should be like and i really appreciate that um, a little bit of tension that that builds through these moments yeah I also loved, uh, I will say, I did love Holden saying to Amos, Amos, you okay? I ask because you're speaking less than usual. <laughs> like, that was so good. Are you Am- mad at me? Yeah, because every time he, he says something to Amos, Amos just goes, uh-huh. <laughs> I just loved Holden, like, I only ask because you're talking even less than usual. <laughs> just, just the, I love all of them. You know, I think... And and the other thing is, like, I think Amos is just really upset because he always puts his trust in Holden. He trusts Holden to do the right thing. Yeah. But he can't see how not destroying the Pella is the right thing. Because <laughs> ending the war to him is the right thing. So it's just, it's a lot. I mean, it makes sense. Everybody has a sensical reason for either being upset or for doing what they do here. And I, I just love Clarissa kind of in the middle, like, Man, I, well, I I said to Joe, like, it's kind of funny how the only person who's worrying about Holden's emotions is Clarissa, the one who tried to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts on the Rosinante and its scenes and prick and arrows? I, I did love uh, Amos and Bobby singing. Yeah. <laughs> that no, was cute. I, I think you guys nailed a lot of the things that I wanted to say for sure. All right, Do you want so to say them again, just so you can say them? No, nah, no, it's okay. I'll pass. <laughs> All right, moving away from Prickenaros, let's head over <laughs> to Laconia. Uh, during the viewing of Zahn's funeral, mourners are heard talking about how a transport driver had hit Zahn and that he likely faces a death sentence for the accident. A man sits down with Kara and talks to her about grief and sacrifice and trying to keep everyone safe. That man also had a label on his shirt. That We're going to get to that. Keep reading. Had a really good name <laughs> on it. I won't apparently spell that out. <laughs> Kara tells him to keep trying. Cortazar rushes in looking for him, revealing that he is Admiral Duarte. Finally, we, we get to... The, one of the big story points of Laconia. 
and that they are able to communicate with the ship into orbit. Duarte and Cortazar leave, and Kara gets an idea. Later, she takes Zen's body out into the woods. Somebody wants to get somebody fixed. Oh, snap. And that doesn't mean, like, making them not be able to have kids. <laughs> like a dog. I was waiting to see if you were going to make the joke. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, I got there. Sorry. <laughs> so... I thought that this was interesting. So obviously, if you're a book reader, you know what that name tag means. But if you're a show watcher, you might not know what that name tag means, which is why I waited till the reveal of his title as opposed to his name. (laughs) Um, Admiral Duarte has been name dropped in the past in season five very briefly. Uh, So if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't know. But Admiral Duarte is the one who led the rogue Martians through the ring last season, if you didn't pick up on that. In that final episode last season, he is the one that the Barkeith was going to join. And uh, he sits down with this little girl who lost her brother and he talks to her about grief. And I I really liked this. So what I one of the things I like about The Expanse is anytime they pull something forward on the show, that character is has the potential to become the character that you know them as. Yeah. So... I see. I know my my one friend was like, I don't I don't like this. I don't like this teddy bear Duarte. But I said to him like, No, this is what I would imagine Duarte before Duarte. You know, mm-hmm. like he sees a little girl. Her brother's dead, and you're the leader of these people. You you want to connect with that little girl, you know? And he does. He sits down with her, and he's very enig- he's like very enigmatic and charismatic with her. He sits down and talks to her like like she isn't a kid, you know? Like she's smart enough to know what he's saying to her and yeah. you know, just talks to her about like um you know, he says like talks talks to her about grief and how it's not the same as being sad. She's like, "Well, did you did some did you lose someone?" He said, "I lost a place." And obviously it's Mars. Um and he kind of puts this idea in her head of how to make a loss into a sacrifice and how to make it sacred. So, yeah, no, I, it was a really nice revelation and we kind of get to put a face to that in arrows that everybody was talking about at the end of the last season. Yeah. I, I just thought it was a really fascinating conversation. I really, I think the end of it was what really got me the, someone has to keep us safe and she tells him to keep trying, and it's like, Kara, maybe, uh, maybe don't. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> maybe don't encourage him to try and keep keeping people safe. Um, but I also loved when he said, you know, because one of the things he says, it's not really important to the plot, but he says to her that they were about to reassign her family back to Earth, uh, back uh, to Paris. And so at you know at the end of the conversation after Cortazar interrupts him and I love how annoyed he looks at Cortazar yeah. when he when he throw you know name drops him as it were because he's clearly not trying to be Admiral Duarte he's trying to be a friend to this little girl and so when Cortazar comes in like Admiral Admiral it's just like he's so mad but um, he says to her like sorry you didn't get to see Paris maybe one day we'll have one of our own yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. And he gives her an idea, a, a very uncomfortable idea. And she steals her brother's body and goes into the woods. I mean, wouldn't you want to 
<laughs> try and attempt to save your brother. I mean, I well, think she feels a lot of guilt. You met my brother? At Just the kidding. end of the day, maybe oh, wow. he, he won't save your brother, but <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, she was supposed to be her protector. She was yeah. supposed to babysit and she was supposed to take care of him. Um, so she's doing what she can to to fix that. Yeah. And she has a solution uh, she thinks will work. Yeah. I, I'm just going to read this interaction very quickly. Uh, their conversation about sacrifice. I just love the way he talks to her. That's how I saw Duarte in him. The way he talks to her. And he says, um, I needed to make it more than just death. I needed to make it a sacrifice. Do you know what sacrifice means? To give something up? Yeah. But it's more than that. It's to give something up and make it sacred. When you think about it, it doesn't fix anything, but it makes it hurt less. Like, the way he talks to her, that's definitely Duarte. I think a lot of people are going to be like, this isn't Duarte. This isn't the man I want him to be. And it's like, I see him in there. But this is him talking to a kid. You can't, yeah, you can't be the leader of this rogue nation with a child. Child doesn't care who you are. I've met kids. They'll go for your life. They don't care who you are. Yep. So. No, I I really like the way that he was talking because he knows how to talk to the kids. So imagine how well he is at speaking to the people. Yeah. Hello, everyone. It's Editing Shannon here, and I'm here to read some listener responses. So as always, I reached out on Twitter and I asked our listeners to tell us what they thought about episode three, what stood out to them, and what they're looking forward to in today's episode, episode four. So let's uh, dive right in. Hassan Scarborough, Fetmatic, said, My favorite moment is seeing that the bird was revived by the blue creature's DNA. Marco lost his focus when the Rasinante appears. His ship was damaged and lost one of his own. Philip was right for shaking down his dad. Also, the space battle was awesome. Hashtag remember the can't. Cannot, cannot agree more with uh, all that going on. Can't really talk about the dogs, but cannot agree more. Jonathan underscore J-O-H underscore N said, Now I'm not sure which character uh, you meant, John. But um, you said, I flipped when I saw Santiago, and I don't know if you meant Carino or Sandrani, but either way, 100% agree. Uh, Also loved seeing the Rossi Roundhouse, which is what a group of fans is calling the flip when the Rossi um, was firing the railgun. And loved seeing Michio starting to speak her mind. Amanda, Serpent and Flame seller of excellent candles by the way said philip calling his dad out was a moment i cheered for loved seeing the cracks starting to form in marco's free navy and aren't we all living there um, diana b by the way love the way you spell diana in your in your um in your twitter handle said when philip tells marco how he failed and he is so angry with a laughing emoji yep again love it love to see marco torn down john mccarthy John F. McCarthy said a couple of questions. WTF is up with those new life forms on that planet. Did that bird really come back to life? What exactly are those strange dog things? How are they going to tie this in and then wrap everything up in only three episodes? And is this setting up for a spinoff? I can't answer a single one of those questions. Unfortunately, we'll just have to keep watching. Just the best part. The best part. 
And then we'll see how many of your questions are answered uh, by the end of the season. Brown Coat Wit of the House Swearingen, Brown Coat Wit on Twitter, said, Bobby's sweet, sweet terms of endearment for Amos. Those totally kill me every time. And I'm on pins and needles for Friday. I'm so worried for Lucky Earther the kitty and her owner. Yeah, Lucky, Lucky Earther is the newest, most popular character on The Expanse. Lucky, Lucky Earther is everyone's favorite character now, which is fine. We bow down to our cat overlords. Uh, Anna Buse, Anna Buse 37 said, Bobby effing Draper, hit your tits and pucker up. Absolutely. Absolutely. D T Garden said, or D T Garden or T Garden 3D said, best quiet moment in episode three, Holden Naomi talking about her freezing up. PTS is real was intimate and revealing. Plus Holden's redirect reships was perfect. Captain boyfriend distracting distraction tactic best this is why we love the expanse moment rossi versus the pella battle d also added but to be fair there's something missing on the expanse season six there are no good female female relationships interactions on the show why have peaches come clean to holden only she was driven to kill holden but actually fought naomi and i need a naomi germer scene now so this this particular point is something that i probably should be talking about the typey more i agree and i disagree um, there absolutely have been some good female interactions and relationships. We had Bobby and Avasarala. We have Michio and Drummer. I would argue Avasarala and Monica are really great interactions. Um, I don't think that there are no interactions. I think there could be more. I agree that there could be more. And the Naomi-Clarissa thing is kind of complicated. Um, I agree that they, they should talk um I, I can't say too much of what's to come for the season uh it is interesting that they have chosen not to talk I, it makes sense for the story um Naomi is kind of dealing with a lot of her own stuff right now and uh she's not happy with Clarissa being there so them avoiding each other makes sense plot wise um and I think Clarissa probably deep down knows that going to Naomi to try and talk to her if Naomi doesn't want to talk to her is probably not a great idea um, until Naomi is ready. So it plot-wise, it kind of makes sense why they haven't talked yet, but I understand the the disappointment. I I also think the the show wants to kind of make sure Holden and Clarissa have these conversations because he, he literally had no idea what happened. I still think that's funny to this day, how they literally met uh, in their prison cells and he had to find out later what happened. Um, so it's it's kind of a difficult thing for me to f like fully agree with because I want them to talk more. And that's kind of the thing about The Expanse is this idea that like we know what the characters need to do. To, to fix things or whatever. But oftentimes those characters are not ready to do those things or um, don't want to do those things because they're dealing with other things. And I think that's a really human thing to have those characters go through. So while I agree that, yes, I want them to talk, I also kind of understand why they haven't yet. Um, and I, I'm interested to see what happens in the next episode. So I hope we can talk about this again uh, as the episodes continue airing, because there's still, you know, more to come. We don't know what's going to happen yet. Uh, also, Naomi and Drummer, yeah. Yeah. 
But I think, again, it's another situation of both of them are so busy doing their own thing. Drummer's off being a badass pirate space queen, um, you know, and taking care of her family and trying to take down Marco. And Naomi's dealing with her PTSD and the missing ships and um, her grief. So, you know, hopefully there's a they, they find a moment, you know, all I can say. Hopefully they find a moment. Andrew? Uh, Desert Granite on Twitter said beyond the epic space battle you have to mention the Star Wars reference in the Pella targeting system yes so I am going to abuse the heck out of Andrea and Fred for not picking up on this I didn't pick up on it till later but I'm not a Star Wars aficionado I think I've said that before um, you know Star Wars wasn't really my thing growing up uh, so I I do love that the targeting system on the Pella mirrors the targeting systems in Star Wars, which is very funny. Um, I'm surprised Andrea and Fred didn't pick up on that because they're massive Star Wars fans. So uh, I'm, I'm going to give them grief when we get off the call or when I get off this recording. And I'm going to give them grief uh, when we do our season six roundup because they deserve it. Just kidding. I love them. It's funny that, that we didn't notice that. So thank you for pointing that out. And yeah, we will talk about it. I promise. Bam bike commuter, Jed underscore Reynolds said, I'm so proud to see Philip speak up to Marco and Marco is hiding his next terrible plan. That was a great twist. Yes. Marco always has another plan. And soon I'm sure we'll see that plan come to fruition. I love seeing Marco get the business uh, from Philip for sure. Mark Pritchard, Mark Pritchard on Twitter said, did anyone else think that the gaunt old belter with a cat who Monica talks to just before the explosions on series was played by Thomas Jane in a cameo? I mean, I know the credits say otherwise, but I thought the resemblance was uncanny. So yeah, at first I was like, hang on, but it kind of would be weird to cast such a recognizable actor and who plays a recognizable character as like a bit part um, like that, like looking so much like himself. Uh, so I, I couldn't see them doing it, but I will say for a hot second, I too thought it was Thomas Jane. So it, it did make me laugh. It made me laugh. Chuck Perry, Prototype 66, said that flip shot in the Rossi was badass. Go James and Bobby. Yep. Yep. Cannot agree more. Digital Devolution, spelled with a O and a 1 instead of an O and an L, said... I was remembering the book explaining the fight maneuvers while watching the same unfold in front of my eyes, not imagined this time. Nicely captured. Well, nicely described as well. The mid to latter books tend to feel more geared towards screenplay style of writing. I agree. As someone who struggles with um, imagining things happening in a book in my head, uh, I really like the expanse for how visual the books are and how they can help me create a picture in my head. I'm also a visual writer when I write. Um, so seeing it kind of play out on the screen the way that you would imagine it is pretty great. It's pretty wild. Um, and it's, it's so much fun. It was a really well adapted scene. And, and they've said, um, one of the producers has come out and said that one of the directives for this season was to make sure that the battles were easy to follow. And I think they really did a good job of making that a reality. Ada Driver, Avienda69, by the way, love, love your Twitter handle. I love Avienda, one of my favorite characters from the Wheel of Time. Really hope to see them uh, in some upcoming seasons. 
said edge of my seat and moved almost to tears every single episode so far. Most seasons do that. Yeah. The show is truly an emotional roller coaster. John Buckmelter, John Buckmelter on Twitter said the final moments, Marco in private showing real weakness. Yep. Love to see him crack. Man drives me crazy. Planeta Ludus, Tolodadesh series, Ludus Planeta said the best battle of the Rasinante so far. Great strategy from Holden, perfected by Bobby. I mean, they de-escalated a fight from 3 to 1 to 1 to 1 and show mercy at the end. Yep. I love watching Holden, like, take down those three wolves with Bobby. Like, that was so good. And when when she was like, you can't hit them, they're too far away. And he was like, hold my coffee and just, like, flip the Rossi and shot that one ship down. Great. Fantastic. I mean, even Alex has pointed out that he is a great strategist. So that was pretty cool. Matthew Thogerson, MD Thogerson on Twitter, said it was super solid episode, but so far at the end of every episode, I still sit here and ponder how the show creators can possibly catch up to where the books are. Is there a movie in our future? So uh, just so you know, as of right now, the writers have confirmed that there are no plans at this time to adapt any further than where they're ending the show. Um, That could change. Anything can happen. Um, but right now, official word, there's nothing coming down the pipe at this moment that we are aware of. Um, and they are, they're, they're not going to be covering the rest of the books in three episodes because they're only covering book six. So I hope that that kind of helps. I'm sorry if I'm the bearer of bad news. I don't like to be that. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. See what happens. Solar Pixie Journals, Solar Pixie Journ on Twitter said, Philip calling out Marco, again, top tier, top tier moment. Kumis Roka Sandor, Roka underscore Sandor said, and the Pella, flagship of the Free Navy and private gunship of Marco and Aros, dodged the railgun round just as it had before, just as it had before, by sidestepping away from the torpedo battle to its port and into the path of the oncoming cloud of PDC rounds. Great. Yep. Love to see it. Love to see it. I love to see these adaptations come to life. Michael Williams, Cowboy Mike FLA, said, I'm digging the bond growing between Amos and Bobby. Amos obviously irritates Bobby, but there are ties growing between them with the added uh, galley scene with Bobby and Amos. Yes. I love it. They're really great. Their friendship is really great. I'm really enjoying it. Colby Michaels, Colby Michaels SF, said, The brothels are unionized. Yep. Yep. So sex work is legal, um, and the workers are protected by a union to keep them safe and healthy. So it's really great to see. That's always been really important to Amos, as we know from season one. So, you know, good times all around. Keola34, Keola341 said Bobby on the Ross. He just doesn't get any better than that. True. It's true. Speaking the truth. Prince Simba and Tua underscore Martin said, I love that the Rossi's crew is getting back into sync. Peaches and Holden, Bobby and Amos, Naomi and her research. I also love the way Avasarala has grown to feel empathy for the Belters, which is very important at this stage. Mars and Earth meet on equal grounds in space. And two replies to this one. Uh, Chris Jamieson, Mogway, said, totally agree. It's a good setup. Enjoying the Bobby and Amos banter and the redemption of Peaches. And Alex Rosinius, Reverend underscore Rose, has a couple of replies coming up. 
uh, said, eh, Avicerala is using the Beltra's plight for political capital. I wouldn't attribute empathy there. She said as much when she wanted the reporters to start putting a human face on the tragedy of everyday earthers. So Avicerala is complicated. I think she knows she's made mistakes and deep down wants to help the Belters, but what she's facing right now, the optics are are slightly more important than the Belters, um, because obviously to her, Earth is more important. Protecting Earth is more important. Um, we'll see how that plays out over the final episodes, but her priority is still Earth. So while she does want to help the Belters, it's not her priority. They They aren't necessarily her priority, but she has grown past the person she once was, and that is something. She at least can see them as human uh, in her better moments, but at the end of the day, she's still fighting a war, and she's going to prioritize her people, and you can't, can't fault her for that. Uh, Lil Nee Socks, Socks Lil, said, watching Bobby lead a fight and strategize, she's brilliant. Yep, smart as heck. Rick Sauter, Rough Ruffles, said, two dog-like creatures, sentience? Can't can't answer that, but I do want more dogs. Can I just say I want more dogs? Yes, I love them. Sean Champ, SP Champ, said, In my opinion, hoping the Belters find a series of their own. I've not read the books yet. Looking forward to it, though. After spoilers, I've read about how the plot goes in the books. I think it might take the edge off events from here. The Belters have a resilient culture, don't they? Yes. I would love to learn more about the Belters. I look forward to... to seeing if if any of your curiosity about the Belters is satisfied by the books. You do hear a lot from Naomi and other Belter characters about what it's like, and everyone's experience is different, too, based on what station you grew up on, if you grew up on a station, you know, what your goals were. So it's really fascinating, and I, I would love to learn more about Belter culture and, and things like that. Howard Beale, Motor City Rocker, said, What's the deal with the little girl on the planet? That storyline is moving too slow. That's going to be one of those that uh, I'll check back with you after the finale. We'll talk. Reply to another tweet of ours. I would love to hear your thoughts by the end of the, the season. Uh, Jerry, Skektech the Scientist Huff, Skektech on Twitter, said, Most people would say the battle, but I'm going to say when Philip finally stands up for himself against Marco. Looking forward to see what the fallout is for his defiance. Yes. And JRS4 r41 underscore k44r replied plus one on philip calling out his dad's bs uh felt even more impactful considering how badly the rossi whooped their butts i think i've already cursed a lot warren arend warren arend said holden bottled it um very simple love it short and sweet can't say i agree um it's a controversial thing though there's pros and cons to holden's choice he clearly was doing it from a good place, a merciful place, a kind place. Um, and there's, we're going to get into this into another reply down the line here. Uh, there is a chance that by killing Marco here and now, the war could get worse. You empower Marco's followers because now Marco is gone. You also create a power vacuum. Um, it's just, it's a tough decision. Because there's massive pros and cons. There's no guarantee killing Marco could win the war for them because there's still free Navy people. And who knows, one of Marco's followers could be worse. Um, so it, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. Um, 
but we'll have to see what happens in the coming episodes. Again, it's another one of those things where we'll see how it goes and see how you feel then. Um, but it is a very controversial take. Twitter has been blowing up. Every, every platform has been blowing up about Holden's choice. Ian Phillip, Mr. Underscore Phillip, said, It's been a really great season for both Bobby and Drummer so far. I'm hoping that holds up. Holden killing the missile that would have taken out Marco was a D move. Again, I think I've cursed enough. Uh, but hopefully it's still enough to start that charismatic sociopath slow fall. Anyway, to which Kittle replied he did that because he didn't want to see Naomi watch her kid die. Yeah, that's been revealed in a... Uh, First of all, you've seen the episode, but it was at the time it had been revealed in a uh, a sneak peek that that was Holden's motivation. And there's more to that conversation, as you now know. Um, again, it's one of those things where this is a really complicated thing. There's pros and cons to it. I don't disagree with Holden's decision. I don't know if I could have made the same decision. Um, but yeah, you know... Uh, he was trying to save someone and I don't think there's anything wrong with saving someone like Clarissa. Um, if you're trying to save someone, maybe the consequences are bad, but you know, you're trying to save someone's life and there's nothing bad about saving someone's life. Um, so, you know, choosing, choosing not to kill someone is not necessarily a bad decision. And we don't know where that decision is going to go. So we'll have to see how it plays out. And then, again, see how people feel when the time comes, like I said earlier. Um, but it is it is controversial. It's controversial. So there's a lot lot to that decision. Uh, Kittle also replied, I appreciated Philip working on taking on his dad. I appreciate holding caring for Naomi, but I worry that was a bad decision. Marco is a cockroach and compelling to a lot of people, but not on his ship. Or compelling to a lot of people, not on his ship. I also worry he will complete his plan, and I worry about alien species number two. That's a lot to worry about. There's there's a lot to worry about in this season, so they, fair enough. Um, but yeah, again, very controversial decision. Um, Alex Racinius, Reverend underscore Rose, replied to this, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier. He's right, though. Kill Marco then and there. You sprout a hundred little wannabes that will martyr him. He needs to be bent and broken or expose his bloodthirstiness like sacrificing series station belters to the public. And I think that's also what Holden was thinking. Like if you capture him because Holden brings out a lot of his emotions, obviously, as we've just seen, um, if you capture him, you can catch him. You can talk him into saying something wrong. We've seen that. We've seen that he can be caught in his own nonsense. Uh, if you get him talking enough. So I do think there is worth in trying to capture him. Um, or not killing him yet. Uh, especially because, again, you could sprout a hundred more Marcos from this decision. So it needs to be a more, it needs to be a different kind of choice, I think, in my opinion. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how the season goes. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for reaching out. We got a ton of responses this week, and I was so excited. I know it took me a long time to read them all, but... I love hearing from you guys. I love hearing your opinions. I love being able to talk about them. I love having other people hear your opinions so that they can, like, agree with you, back you up. Um, I don't want to start any fights, though. So, I, I don't want to start no fights, though. Um, but I really, really appreciate the level of responses we've got. Like, you guys are so smart. I love you guys. 
Thank you so much for listening to our show and giving us a chance. Um, we got two more episode recaps coming and hopefully a season six roundup. So stay tuned. And with that, I'll send you right back into the outro. Thank you. Remember the can. All right. Anything else in regards to this episode or Laconia? All right. So what did you think about this episode? Um, did you find things that we did not talk about? Um, did you find some of the things that we talked about interesting? Or do you have opposing views on some of the things that we decided um, to discuss? You can find us online and let us know by emailing us at typebeam at randomchatter.com. You can also tweet us at the typebeam at randomchatter. You can find me on Twitter at catsbears. That's K-A-T-Z-B-E-A-R-Z. Fred, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Freddy1Kenobi. That's F-R-E-D-D-Y-W-O-N Kenobi. And Shannon, where can they find you? You can find me almost anywhere at ShankBZ. You can also find our show and many other shows at randomchatter.com. Help us spread the word. Leave reviews on social media. Drop us some ratings on social media. Help get... Or, <laughs> Help us spread the word. Leave reviews on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Drop a rating on your favorite podcast platform of choice. It helps us stand out amongst all the other Expanse podcasts to get noticed better. You can also share us on social media. I share all of our new episodes on Twitter. And I also like to have fun on our Twitter. So, like, interact with us. Have some fun with us. You can also tell your friends about us. Surely you have a friend who likes The Expanse. Tell them about our podcast. It's Christmas time. Give the gift of a podcast. <laughs> some final uh, closing credits on this episode all the music that you hear is ursa minor by salad dweller and as silly as this sentence sounds all trademarks are owned by the respective owners so thank you for listening and remember the cat and for those of you who are listening today happy new year's happy new oh, year oh yeah